Welcome to Whip Chat. My name is Christian, and today I am joined by Christopher Wright and Robin. Welcome, guys, to the show. Um, as a quick introduction, just to let everybody know a little bit about you. Thank you for sharing some of this with me earlier. But the the well, first of all, the point is to bring this diverse community together. The whip making community, unfortunately, doesn't have large groups of people anymore these days. And what I want to do is get to know you guys and have the have the world get to know you as well, basically. And I, I'm very impressed that you're the owner and operator of X1 Whips, and your background includes time in the Air Force and jobs with business analytics and solutions architecting, which I don't really know what that means. You can tell me about that in a minute. Um, and you have been making whips for almost two years and have already established yourself as a true craftsman, an expert craftsman, actually, I would say, that you have taken a the prestigious third-place wins at the last two whip cons, which is extremely impressive. Um, and you're probably the only full-time whip maker in Canada. And you received the new business starter grant for your city, which, congratulations again. And to use your words, you have a wild client list. (laughs) Um, Robin, also equally impressive. You are a professional dog trainer, which Mm -hmm. I I don't know how you do that. Um, (laughs) As well as the creative director and the people person behind X1 Webs. So thank you guys for joining and and welcome to the show. And just everyone else out in the world, say hello. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's really exciting. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful couple of entrepreneurs here. Um, yeah. I, I, I really find it interesting that, I mean, the first time I really looked at your stuff in detail was at WhipCon, and I feel bad about it. I mean, you took third place last year, and it's so impressive. I was able to see some of the rollout of your stuff, and I mean, not to mention the fact that you got third place at the whip making. Um, that was. That was that was really impressive. Um, so so, what is it about the whips and whip making? I mean, what, for for both of you, really. I mean, what? How did you get into this? What what sort of childhood memories do you have on this? How did you how did you get into this? Yeah, um, I think you know a lot of people like when I when I talk to other whip makers about how they got started, a lot of people kind of talk about, oh, I, I really loved Indiana Jones when I was young, mm-hmm. or you know, I right. watched this. Um, I remember watching all those movies growing up and I really loved them, but it was actually, uh, it was during COVID. Um, you know, like a lot of people, I was looking for something to do, uh, kind of bored at home. And it was a YouTube recommendation for Nick's uh, performance hybrids when he first put them oh, out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I found that and I was like, you know, I've, I've got some paracord like lying around from the old days. Like I'll, I'll give this a try, see what I can do. And, um, I've always liked working with my hands. Both my grandfathers were carpenters. Um, I've always just been like a tinkerer by nature. And I just, I fell in love with it. I made the first one. Um, I didn't even finish the first one. I was so excited with what I learned making that first one that I don't even think the heel knots on it. I've got it here somewhere. Um, and I just dove into the second one. And I, I just, uh, it awesome. kind of clicked. It, it was really nice. And I was able to start thinking it through because it's not just, you know, follow the directions and go. There was so many elements to it. There's so many things to try and design. And um, I just kind of got hooked. So, yeah. I, I mean, you really you said that you just dove into the second one. Can can you explore that? What was that? What was that feeling like? What what was it you were? It was um, it was very exciting. Um, 
something I found out about myself uh, recently is that I got diagnosed with ADHD. It's something that I didn't know much about until uh, a couple of years back when I got the diagnosis. And I've always been the kind of person to just get very excited by the learning process of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, put anything in front of me and I just I have so much fun learning how to do it. So right. when I made that first one, um, just even looking at my plaiting, um, you know, watching some of Nick's other videos about how to do, you know, different knots, how to do this. It was just this new world of so many things to try. It was a new skill. Um, and it was at a time where I really needed something to keep me busy. I needed something to keep my mind active, to keep my hands working. Um, and I think I got ambitious. I think the second whip I made, I tried jumping into 275 oh my uh, goodness. right away. Um, I just thought it would be really cool. Like it was so cool to just, you know, use 12 strands. What happens when I can use more? Right. Uh, I see so. Robin nodding an awful lot here through this. <laughs> Robin, <laughs> I feel Robin like there's a story behind this story. My, uh, my stream of hobbies and my different, you know, uh, I don't think she's had a living room for the last six months. It's turned into kind of an impromptu workshop. So my wife, nodding so <laughs> my wife can empathize. It, yeah, yeah. If, if I may. Yeah, please. If, uh, yeah, it was interesting to see, like, when Chris talks about um, the ADHD diagnosis and what a lot of people go through when they when they have that diagnosis late in life is they have to kind of recalibrate. And uh, um, but he actually got really excited about understanding that more. And and when it came to picking up that second whip and diving right into trying a bajillion new things rather than trying to master the couple basic principles <laughs> first, it was all about that dopamine. It was all right. about that that yeah. that newness that's really uh, exciting for him and it, what's great about whips is that there's a lot of new all the time and there yeah. isn't one set way to like there isn't one like scripted rule way of doing certain things like you can you can play around with it and and yeah. and a lot of different things you can tweak to change the performance or or look yeah. of a whip right. set. different yeah different styles of whips too different patterns so I'll be surprised um, if you ever run out of things to try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That I, I can certainly relate to that. I have a, a similar diagnosis, and it's uh, I have to keep my hobbies, you know, to a manageable <laughs> number, or I run out of room in the the office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say yeah, we just we face that a lot. We face the the running out of room problem quite a bit. So very excited for when we can actually get a little bit more space and kind of set up a shop that's not also the office, that's not also the living room, that's not also, right. you know, the kitchen to an extent where the waxer is. And uh, there's, yeah, a little, little <laughs> bit of all that face. <laughs> the nice smell of paraffin come wafting through the house. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, I, you were talking about, you know, never able to you know, maybe find the end of this, even this hobby. Um so one of the things that you and I were talking about briefly at WhipCon was the fact that you do have a partnership that you have started up or collaboration or I don't know what the term is you're using, but with Justin, Justin Bretsky over at Canada Whips and your new signature, Justin, or the Justin signature, the ex, I don't know. Yeah, well, tell the, me about it. I'm saying it all wrong. Yeah, no, no. Um, I mean, Justin, uh, Justin's kind of been a part of the journey right from day one. Um you know, while I was working on that second whip, I, I was kind of sitting here being like, I wish there was somebody I could ask more questions to. Videos are great, but I wish there was somebody I could talk to and, and you know, pick their brains. 
And if you search whips and Canada at all, the first thing you're going to come up with is Canada whips and Justin. Um, and I saw that he only lived about what was he a two hour drive away at the time before he moved. Wow. Um, so that was really exciting. So I actually, you know, reached out to him, uh, for anybody that knows Justin, you'll know, he's, he's probably one of the nicest, uh, oh, yeah. people you'll ever meet. Like his, his desire to just help anybody that reaches out is, is, um, it's limitless. So he said, you know what, you know, I'll, I'll introduce you to some people. I'll give you some advice, but if you ever get the chance to come by, come on up and visit. Um, and we ended up, you know, getting a few people together. Uh, and you know, he, he was able to check my stuff and give me some feedback and, you know, we've been, uh, we've been really close friends ever since we try and see each other, you know, at least once every month or two months, um, to hang out, spend a weekend there. Um, I'm not much of a whip cracker. I think like a lot of whip makers, uh, we're really good at sitting down and working with our hands, but we're not very coordinated individuals. <laughs> um, so he's been helping me with feedback pretty much, pretty much right from the start. And he actually approached me a few months back and said, you know what? I really love what you're doing. I'd love to have something that was really just tailored to, to what I do with contact moves. And, you know, at this point, I've already made him about four or five pairs of whips and really fine tuning with his style. And so we took on that that project together. And it's it's been amazing. The feedback's been really great. Um, it was so much fun getting to see people trying them all uh, while we were in L.A. at WhipCon. Yeah. Um, I think he's got a video that he's putting together now. He got he got some clips of a bunch of people trying them. So good, good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it myself, and it definitely does not feel like anything else I've used. Um, and I, I cracked a lot of whips at WhipCon and a lot of whips over the last my my whole life. Um, and just the feel of having more weight out in the thong, but not having it overly heavy, but somehow still balanced. I, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, that's been um, that's been a big learning curve. I know when I did uh, when I entered my first whip at WhipCon, um, it was a little terrifying. It was seven months after making my first one, and I figured, you know what, let's let's try it, let's do this, right? Um, so got there. I think it was the first hybrid Adam told me that was ever entered in a competition. Most people kind of have considered them a budget whip for so long, uh, and I just really wanted to see what I could do. And the number one feedback I got from the judges, from Adam, from Johnny, uh, was a little bit more weight further down. I was like, all right, okay. So I, you know, went home, reworked the design, uh, and I got the chance to make another pair of hybrids for Adam. And I got the same feedback. You know what? A little bit more weight. Let's go a little further down. So that's been, you know, this back and forth conversation. Um, and it was really thanks to that process of trial error. Um, Adam was, was monumental in being able to give me that feedback of where to shift things. Um, and just getting the weight further down has seemed to be the common consensus. So that's actually now worked into a lot of my designs, whether they're, you know, hybrid stock whips, bull whips is playing with the weight profile. Right. Um, it's really just adjusting those shapes and getting it to where it feels uh, more natural. So less force that you have to put in. Right. And let's see, I think, I think you've got one of the Justin whips on your, on one of your social medias here. We should bring that up here in just a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Instagram, there's a, there, I think both of them actually, the, there's a good shot. Of I think the black them. and white one, right? Let me add that. Yeah, I've got the, the black, white, and silver, and I think there's a picture think, is it this one? of Justin's first pair. Yeah, there's that one. I think, uh, I'm trying to see where, so Justin's actual original pair is in one of those pictures, too, the very first prototype. Yeah, yeah so this is uh, on uh, Instagram, X1Whips, if you guys uh, are watching this later, or if you're watching it, listening on audio, go to... Go to it and check it out. But the black and white pair and 
Yeah, there's so many beautiful yeah. ones here. Oh yeah, here's the the red. There's and black the heel, ones. and I think yeah, those are just cool? beautiful. Yeah, that, that. yeah, and that's actually what's really so cool, cool there is Justin actually um, where he works. There's a graphic artist that he works with, mm -hmm. and that's actually his his signature that they took and they digitized, and then he found somebody local to engrave those in. So that's that's his actual uh, signature. It's not you know computer wow. generated, which is a really cool touch. That is cool. That is cool. Well, awesome. I, I I love that. That is that is super cool. I. What what is it you're still working to develop? I mean, if you've got felt like you've got these dialed in for Justin for Adam, do you feel like there's that you have arrived uh, here or not even close? <laughs> and um, I kind of like that I'm not close to be honest. And it's kind of that what we were talking about before that chasing that that new and that dopamine. Right, um, right. It's more a journey that I don't want to have a destination. Is kind of my way of looking at it. Okay. Um, there's always something new to learn. Uh, right now, I'm currently working on uh, doing some 275 bull whips, which are really cool. Nice. I'm starting to play with a little bit of Whipmaker's Chord, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, and I actually have just been starting to work with a little bit of leather. So nothing wow, yet. Okay. Um, I do have one that I made with uh, with Torrance Fisher at the end of last year's WhipCon. We hung out for a few days, made a snake whip together. So trying to take some of that, build it in, but uh, trying to pace myself. The excitement's there. I kind of wish I had an extra 10 hours every day to just do experiments in addition to everything else. <laughs> oh but, yeah. Uh, the list of projects is long and I hope it never, I hope it never shrinks. It's, it's what keeps it fun and keeps me coming every day with a, like I start every day with a smile. I, every I day is a new adventure. So you're uh, actively working on trying to <clears throat> master the juggling whips to. Yeah. Juggling whips is a big one. That one is, is one that I'm working on. The weight balance with those is the tricky part. Yeah, getting them to spin Absolutely. right. Um, yeah, and, and one of the mentalities that I like to take is that there's never uh, one right answer. I think it was uh, was Thea Mojave Outlier. I saw a quote from her recently that said, you know, a good whip is the one that you like. And I, I like thought that. that was that was one of the best things I've ever seen. Because, I mean, for I'm sure you see on the Facebook chats all the time, you know, there's so much debate over what's right, what's wrong. And, and really it comes down to what's right for you. Um, yeah. So rather than just perfect one thing and have that one thing, um, what I try and do is I look at it as if I can learn enough technique, if I can master enough skill, then I can talk to any person and figure out, okay, this is what you're looking for, and then make that, rather right, than just have right. one set design that I keep going through ever, over and over. So, I mean, once you get past the the beginner mistakes, I guess, you can, yeah. you can plat straight and, and so forth, keep your tension yeah. even throughout the whip. Um So what, what, I mean, Robin, this could be for you as well. What about with the business side of things? What, what, how are you, how are you guys tackling that? How are you growing? What, what, what are you tackling right now that, because that, that's, I think beyond, once everybody kind of gets the feel for how to do the basic braiding, that's where a lot of these conversations go. And there was a lot of conversations I have with people out at WhipCon that are trying to figure that out. As you know, being a whip maker is not the path to become rich and famous. <laughs> but it's a, it's a pursuit of passion. That's, that's it is sure. a passion project, certainly, and it can be a living. Um, but how are you guys handling that and the struggles that go along with it? You want to you want to start with this? <laughs> I'd say you, you get to observe what it's been like. Well, you know what's what's equally challenging and uniquely. 
uh, advantageous is that we're both trying to start our own businesses at the same time. So we both yes. kind of are, are learning a lot of uh, the ups and downs and ins and outs together as a team. So, uh, and, and, and really discovering our strengths and weaknesses. So he's very analytical. He's very, um, mathematical, I would say as well. Like he's very, very numbers oriented and I'm very people oriented. So creative, I, yeah. I, yes, I'm more the creative brain. Um, so I've, I helped him a lot when it came to getting the social media up and going mm-hmm. and, uh, his mom actually, who's, uh, also a very analytical brain. They're very similar. It's a little scary <laughs> when they're in a room together, <laughs> but also very impressive. Um, she's been helping him a lot with uh, getting, like tracking. A lot of the inventory is what we're working on right now, like yeah. tracking the numbers coming and going. I think that's really tricky when it comes to something like Paracord, where you're trying to track like the the feet you have left on a spool and how much it takes to make this one. Yeah, and- I, when I when I started, I definitely did not really have a good grasp of what would be entailed in in kind of just the like you said the business side. I think everybody starts right. because they want to make stuff, they want to craft, and then when you when you actually go for it being a business, you realize well, there's there's money involved now, and there's tax, and there's inventory, and I can't just Right. You know, oh, I'm running a little low. Let's place an order. You have to kind of know where things are at and schedule. And um, it's been a learning curve. Uh, most of what I've been doing since getting back from L.A. has actually just been updating uh, more of the business side, trying to get the website going, uh, which is really exciting. Um, trying to have just a streamlined way of taking orders so that it's not uh, all Facebook conversations and Instagram messages and having to scroll back and remember what we talked about. and uh, There were some challenges with pricing as well. Yeah, and I think that's a big one that, that a lot of whip makers ask about, and it's a conversation that always gives an answer of like, oh, it depends. Right. Um, and I, I, I have to – actually, let me, I'm going to do this. Hang on. Yeah. So this picture I have from, from WhipCon, um, one of the things that I thought was – you were the only people, I think, that had a price list right up front. Yeah. yeah. With – uh, and it was it was great. It was very refreshing. I have to admit, um, yes. and I mean beautifully laid out and organized as well. But yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Uh, uh, right yeah, the, <laughs> building this sort of thing is is not a small thing. That's that's great. Yeah, and I was I was very fortunate um, here in Canada. We have something called the Starter Company Plus program. Uh, so it's kind of it's run by each city, but it's it's I think province wide. Um, and it's an opportunity. So anybody can apply. Uh, there's, I think 10 weeks of just mentorship that starts you out, which is really nice. So they'll cover, you know, general topics. Of course, everybody does something a little different, so nothing too drilled down. Uh, and then at the end, there's a pitch competition. So everybody gets the opportunity to pitch. And then if you're selected, there's the grant that comes with that. And then some additional mentorship. And I think that was the first time outside of WhipCon, where I embarrassed myself the first time when I stood up in front of people and had no idea what to say. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, was getting up and, and talking about this in front of people and not hiding in my workshop and just, you know, being uh, being a contained little entity. So yeah. it's fun. And even doing this, um, I'm not a very big public speaker. I'm very much, that's that's why I like to call Rob my people person. She's the one that goes out and, and talks and, and mingles and um, actually. On the face. Well, really, really funny story, um, and I'm sure anybody who goes to WhipCon faces this a lot, is that, you know, celebrity syndrome. Mm-hmm. When I went to the first WhipCon, all these people, Adam Winrich, Nick Schrader, um, these were all people I've just 
you know, seen online. And they were, they're these huge, you know, icons within the community. And I remember seeing Nick and uh, I, I'll be the first one to admit, I fangirled a little bit. I was sitting there. I was, I was terrified to go up and say hi. Yeah. And Robin actually, she went and she grabbed him and, and brought him over and said, it was Justin, it was Justin. Oh, was it Justin? It was Justin. Justin. Justin did it. Justin grabbed him and went, Chris wants to meet you, but he's too scared to do it. So here he is. And oh, no. he, basically pulled, he basically pulled like a how I met your mother, like, have you met Chris? And then just took and then off. Left. Like, uh, so that's awesome. Uh, even being here is is a lot, but um it's a lot of fun. And, and I, I really appreciate the opportunity because it's yeah, it's fun to get to do this. Yeah. Right. And I I mean I, I keep forgetting we're recording even um personally. <laughs> that I'm just if I'm sorry, Christian, if I may bring it Please. back to the pricing point for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's been interesting is that we both kind of battled this feeling of like, oh, well, we're very new to the industry, so yeah. we don't want to overcharge, right? We don't, we haven't, we haven't earned our place as people who are, you know, well known and we're experts and that people would be willing to pay that amount for. And like, it's the same with dog training. Like, I find that um, there's not really, uh, a set amount there's a there's a there's a range and uh you know and and we both kind of had to to tackle that research yeah. together to kind of look, look and compare to what everybody else is doing and think okay well why are they pricing it that way um yeah. and 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 to have to price not only for the uh, you know particularly for you to not only have to price for the materials but also for the for the time is yeah. interesting to think about what your time is worth mm -hmm. Yeah, the time, the overhead. As of uh, actually, as of December, this is now full time. This is my main source of income. So, wow. you know, not looking at it from like, oh, what would be nice to have for this hobby craft, but what what actually keeps the business running? What keeps you know yeah. rent being paid and the lights on? And um, yeah, it's a lot. But the imposter syndrome is is the big battle. It's this mm -hmm. this never ending. You know, how do I support my craft and how do I, you know. Um, how do I value where I'm at? You know what I mean? And, and it is hard when you're new. It's been, it's been a like a back and forth struggle, but people have all been really amazing. Um, a lot of great advice and feedback. So even Nick was saying he struggles with the imposter syndrome sometimes, which is crazy. Yeah. So. Which is crazy. Yeah. 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 He, he mentioned that to me as well. And it's, yeah, it, I, I mean, I, I'm not very good at whip cracking or whip making, but yet <laughs> half the people at WhipCon know who I am. And that was kind of crazy. So, oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when people come up to you and, oh, you're this, you're like, like it's uh, you. Yeah. Like, it is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I would like to jump back to the, you said the, uh, you had to make an in-person pitch to the city. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Or maybe Robin can tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> Yeah, well, Robin actually got to sit in, which was really cool. We didn't think that... I recorded that she, the whole thing. No, she didn't. Uh, there, there is no evidence of anything that was said. Uh, yeah, no, I won't was, ask for the video, but how did that yeah. go? What did you say? Tell me a little bit. What were your high points? How did you feel? What Did did you throw it up was, before? I mean, uh, I mean, I was very close. Um, it, it felt so awkward. I think I was the last pitch yes, you were. of the entire... There was, was, very there was 10 people pitching. I was the very last one. Um and it's a very small, I don't know what to, I didn't know what to expect. Um, when I, when I went in, it was just this tiny little meeting room. Um, you know, six people sitting around. One person was an accountant. One was a, a social media manager. Um, 
one was in marketing. Yeah. Uh, there was the actual, you know, the coordinators Did of the program. Legal. One oh, there was a lawyer, which was very interesting. Uh, okay. Some of the questions from the legal side, because anybody who's in the whip community always gets the, you know, is it a weapon? Oh yeah, question. that's true. Right. So that, you know, a lot of that came up. Um, so what'd you say? No, and it was it was really cool to get to explain, you know, that the different sides. So it actually being a, a herding implement and being used for sound and that, you know, there there is no contact with a whip. And I'm, you know, when I when I get into something I really like to study and to learn, and I, I dove into the history of whips. You know, I read uh whips and whip making, I read all these different books, went online. Um, and even I had a misconception, uh, I'll be perfectly honest, about you know, that they weren't really weapons. It's one of those Mandela mm -hmm. effect. Things, oh, yeah. Whereas most of that's the common conception, you know, challenge you to go find any actual evidence, not modern movies where it's been adopted and taken in and, and all that, the Indiana Jones type stuff, but there's no real history to that. So it's, it's kind of interesting and being able to, to talk about that and explain it. Mm -hmm. um, it was cool to see people's faces and be like, oh, OK, like I didn't I didn't think about this. Or I didn't think about that. Um, there is always the awkward, you know, you start up and you, what do you do? And you say, oh, I'm a wit maker and you get. You know, everybody in the room gives you that funny look of you're, you, do, you do what? And then, you know, you have to start explaining and bringing stuff out. But um, no, it was really good. It was actually hard to not talk too much, which was very interesting for me. Yeah, it was a very you short were limited time limit. to eight minutes. I think five all in and about 30 seconds of that was a video that um, that I tried to show Justin's, you know, what is whip cracking video that he put out last year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little context right I think so it was, 10 minutes. was it, it was 10 minutes. it felt it felt like two <laughs> it felt like it went by just in mm -hmm. a heartbeat um but it was it was really good it was a lot of fun um everybody was more curious than weirded out which is what i thought was going to happen good so. good that's awesome which mm -hmm. i mean obviously they selected you that's that says a lot right there yeah so congratulations wow thank you it it helped a lot. It's um you know all that nice stuff that you saw in that in that photo of WhipCon the banners that all came from the grant. So that was it was really nice to get that little uh, little leg up that little boost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that it was definitely the most professional looking booth there. So congratulations, guys. <laughs> I, I did want to dive a little bit more into the business side, and then maybe mm -hmm. we could talk about some of your products. So we're coming up on the half hour mark here, but Absolutely. so be respectful of your time. But we can certainly go as long as needed as well. Do you have any suggestions for other entrepreneurs? Um, maybe, a, a, I don't know if you call it a hack or a pitfall to avoid anything like that, that you would, as a whip maker yeah. specifically. Um, so I guess, I, I'll guess I'll give two answers. One from the whip making side and one from just the business side of it. Okay. Um, the whip making side, take notes. Uh, keep notes for everything, whether it's your designs, your builds, uh, who you spoke to. Um, if you don't take notes, it'll come back to haunt you every time. Every time I haven't taken a note, it's come back. And keep those notes organized in one place. Yes. <laughs> um, and that's been big. Uh, right now I'm kind of going through the fun of, of just my bookkeeping. Uh, so I guess this, you know, branches into the business side too. Um, I didn't keep very good notes at the beginning. So now I'm playing the struggle game of trying to retroactively go back and look at transactions and, oh God, what was this for? It's, it's, you know, a $200 thing in my bank statement, but. I don't remember what I did with it because it was a year and a half ago, right? Right. Um, so I'd say keep notes is a big one. And I think from the business side, don't be afraid to ask for or accept help. Uh, I think that's really big. I think a lot of people face this 
Uh, well, they go one of two directions. Either people do this, you know, I'm the business owner. I've got to do everything on my own. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and asking for help is really important. Uh, delegating the things that you're not good at. Um, it's always good to learn them and to build them up. But to recognize to a certain extent, I'll never, I'll never be a, a social media influencer. I just, I won't. So I ask for help from people that I know are good at that to get advice or to, um, you know, even just do a, a trade for lessons. Um, I've definitely traded some people just for photography lessons, just so I can try and, you know, take some better pictures. And, oh, wow. And okay. So yeah. it's, it's always good to ask for help because there's people who want to help. And I think, um, you know, anytime somebody's asked me for help, I'm, I'm very pro sharing information. So I've, mm-hmm. you know... Um, just filmed some quick videos, nothing, nothing professional quality. There's about half an hour of me rambling because I don't know how to be on the camera without nervously talking to fill the space. Um, so for anybody that I have sent videos to, thank you so much for being patient with that. Um, I can relate. It's okay. But yeah, I think, I think everybody innately wants to help if they can tell that the desire is genuine. Um, the one thing that I will add to that, and this is something that Adam uh, I think he mentioned in a, a conversation, it might be in one of his videos, um, and it's become the cornerstone of how I ask for help, because I think it's really important um, to try first. Uh, I think a lot of people, like we live in we live in this instant gratification generation of YouTube and, and Google, and you know we're so used to being able to get whatever we want right away, and whip making does not have a ton of resources that are out there. So when you don't have that instant answer, it's very tempting to just, you know, hop online or message somebody and be like, how do I do X, Y, Z? And I think we lose out on the learning process. I was actually, I was on the phone with uh, with Blake Gorey uh, yesterday talking about when he got started making whips, when it was, you know, him or Paul Nolan, any of these people that were uh, before really the YouTube and, and internet generation where they had to actually mm-hmm. just try and learn and fail and learn and try and... It was just this cycle, and and you can't replace that. You know what I mean? Right. So every time I ask a question now, I go in with, this is what I've tried. This is what I think the answer is. Am I missing something, or can you point me in the right direction? Yeah. Uh, and I think that shows a lot of respect to the person you're asking help from. You're not just, you know, hey, you spent 10 years learning this. Can you give me the 30-second answer? Mm-hmm. Um, it's more, I'm really trying to get this, but I value your experience. So can you maybe you know, let me know where I should be focusing or am I on the right track or, or something like that. And that's, um, that's opened a lot of doors. It's, it's helped me have a lot of conversations with people and, you know, glean a lot of insights and knowledge that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So I love that. Uh, What about you, Robin? How do you feel that, I mean, also with your, um, with your business as well? I mean, you're trying to start one also. Do you feel like there, a lot of this overlaps as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that a big lesson that I've taken away from the past couple of years is uh, <clears throat> one of my favorite expressions is try, fail, try again, fail better. And it's <laughs> because, and, and it's, it's so easy to preach, you know, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to get it wrong. That's how you learn. And I, I'm, I'm the, <laughs> I am so guilty of being happy pitching that advice to a friend, but applying that same advice to myself is not as easy. Yeah. And it's not until you actually allow yourself, like if you go into something knowing I'm probably going to mess this up, I'm probably going to fail. And you accept that and that and accept that that's okay. 
and you do it and you realize that it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. That's a yeah. huge turning point, I think, for anybody, whether you're an entrepreneur or anything or, or somebody trying to hone a, a craft or a skill. Yeah. Um, like even with Justin, um, I, <laughs> our first WhipCon, what, coming back to the point about being so starstruck, I had no idea who any of these people were. Like, I didn't know why Adam Windrich was so famous. I didn't know <laughs> anything about Nick. I was just like, I'm just along for the ride. She and just walked She walked up to anybody with the, just the pure confidence of, I have no idea why you're important. So. <laughs> Seriously, I was just like, like, I'd introduce myself and they'd be like, okay. Like, they were, they, they, it's like they were surprised I wasn't more, you know, in awe of them. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. Um, and That's great. Just, anyway. It, it, what, what I was going to say about Justin is that I was so like, I'm never going to get this whip cracking thing. Like, it's not for me. And he's such a good teacher, though. Oh, yes. Um, that yeah. I'd be like, oh, I'm going to hit myself. He's like, so hit yourself. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like what, do you, what do you mean? He's like, he's like, you're not going to learn if you don't mess it up. So like toss it in the air, hit yourself in the face, whatever you got to do, just try it. And I'm like, okay. And it did take a few times of me like whacking my own head or my ear or whatever it is. And then him being like, try your arm this way. And it totally changing how the move panned out. And I think that applies to life. I think that just like, you have to, you have to try um, and look at um, making a mistake or failing as something exciting instead of something bad. Um, like, yeah. you know, touching on the mental health journey uh, portion that we were discussing earlier. Um, you know, in therapy, I worked a lot through not treating the word mistake or the word failure as like swear words. Like they're, hmm. they're, they're, they're a good yeah. thing, you know, because you do it and, and a, lo- a few things happen. You realize that you can survive it and it's not that scary you realize where you went wrong and what you can change to do better next time. And you realize that it, it failing at something doesn't make you a failure. I think that's something that people don't know how to separate. So big. So, so, uh, you mentioned therapy though. Have you, was that a prior uh, job that you were doing or? No, sorry. Like me going to therapy. Oh, you going to therapy. Gotcha. (laughs) Okay. I know we talked a little bit, um, about ergonomics at WhipCon. And mm-hmm. yeah. I, <laughs> I feel like I would need to go to therapy if I did, did it full time like you're doing. That's that's really impressive. Um, I, I think failing w- w- your body is is another way that you have to be very careful with, and you understand listening to that. Yeah. Um, do you, do you help Chris with that? Does yeah. how, how how do you guys handle that sort of thing as well? I am not to switch topics because that was an excellent point no, as no. well. No, that's okay. Yeah, no, it's interesting you mentioned ergonomics because I was actually talking to um, a, a massage therapist colleague earlier mm-hmm. about because uh, I'm I'm about to start doing that part time as well. You're getting recertified, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's something we've ch- chatted with Justin about a few times is how a lot of what crackers I don't think have. Uh, have a good grasp on what good warm-up exercises are or, or rehabilitative exercises are. What makers too. Yeah. I think when, one of the things that helped a lot, um, cause when I, when I was, you know, starting to convert more to full-time, I was making more whips, my hands hurt a lot. And I think a few people have talked about, you know, this, this pain that you get when you're working that much. I know Nick's talked about it before. Um, and Robin's like, well, are you warming up? And I was like, I, 
I didn't know no. that was a thing for whip making. Well, and, and that was my reaction too. I was like, well, tell me more. Like, what do you mean? Am I warming up? I'm, I'm, I'm not going out and doing something, you know, physical. But All right. So Robin, tell, tell us what we need to be doing here. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, she's got a whole, she I, got, had a whole routine for me. So I, I do the stretches now and it helps. Yeah. Well, he says he does. I try and remember to do the stretches. <laughs> I, I did put together <clears throat> kind of a, a therapeutic exercise plan um, for him that involved, uh, I think, like five different warm-up exercises and five different, uh, like, recovery stretches after you're done working for the day. Okay. Um, sorry, I don't mind the cat. <laughs> nope, nope. I'll add that to the, the guest list. Who is this? <laughs> this is uh, Isis. Named after the Egyptian goddess. Her sister's name is Cleopatra. Yeah. She's, she's 16, so she got the name before it became a, a little bit of a funny one. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, but uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, you there there is a YouTube video that I found that had interesting exercises for, that was actually for uh, professional Gamers, uh, gamers. Pro gamers, esports. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. And and that had a lot of similar implications to how you would use your your hand muscles and forearm muscles in yeah. uh, in plaiting whips as well. Um, it, and it has a lot to do with how you position yourself too. I think whip makers who plat off the hook are going to have a lot easier of a time than than those who do it off of ice seated because. When you plot off a hook standing, I think you can um, take the advantage of using your body weight rather than using all shoulder or all back yeah. or all okay. all grip strength. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I've been, t- Justin's been trying to get me to put together a, a more professional looking exercise plan that I could kind of send out to everybody at some yeah. point. Um, well, allow me to... <laughs> <laughs> add on yeah, no, and, well and anybody that. who's ever mentioned that too has been like yes please absolutely <laughs> everything hurts like <laughs> yeah. so so yeah. seriously could you could you show me a couple things or chris could you demonstrate for us what, uh, what are a couple yeah. of the stretches yeah no i mean i've got to the uh the hand ones okay that really wants to be uh, there's a laptop so um and it, it, it's funny because i didn't think about a lot of this stuff until i started doing the stretches and then i was like oh okay this actually you know makes a lot of sense um so some of the ones have just even just been separating your fingers. Um, so right. having your hands together and being able to do those, like, you know, like, individual like finger this. separations. Oh, like this? Oh, off front? Yeah, like so being this. able, yeah, being able to pull them apart nice. um, just to get the muscles stretching, right? Because okay. you don't realize how many ways you move and contort your hands when you're right. when you're pulling, right? So um, like rolling for warm up. So being able to to put your fingers together. You know, get the dexterity to roll fingers back and forth in each direction. Mm, okay. So it's it's different motions that like you don't do day to day, but suddenly when you're plaiting, you do them kind of all the time. Right. Uh, one of the other big ones has been shoulders. I've been notoriously bad for just having very very tight shoulders. Um, it's I it's it's funny. It impacts the whip cracking and the whip making a lot. I don't have the mobility so. Uh, just even uh, like door frame exercises. So being able to to kind of get the door frame or the wall and to stretch out as soon as I can feel okay, it right so now. Like I know that I'm not leaning back, like putting your back elbow out. on the door. You door kind frame. of want to line up your elbow with your shoulder okay. and it comes back like that. So you can stretch out the chest because if you think about it, if you're leaning forward like this, yeah. adding right. everything's crunched. Right. Um, uh, and you want to think about when you're warming up for whether it's, when making or cracking, 
uh, warm-ups should include dynamic movements. So, you know, I, I think I showed Ian a couple of these, but like, you know, doing arm rotations. Oh, yeah. okay. There's a version of arm rotations where you're leaning forward and you you allow gravity to kind of help. And so you, you bend, you hinge at the waist and, and it's actually an archery warm-up that I learned. But it's the same thing, you do arm circles, but leaning over and that helps to kind of open up the joint space so that all the tendons and stuff like that aren't so compressed. So you don't get that clicking and stuff like that when you're right. trying to do right. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. And when you crap whips like, whips like Ian and you're just, you know, the, the amount of force is, is, is <laughs> wild. I couldn't even imagine. Loud. Yeah. And then, so you want to do dynamic stuff going, like warming up beforehand. And then afterwards to, to allow for uh, healing and recovery, you want to do more static stretching where you're holding it for 15 to 30 seconds. So whether you're using a wall or your own hand, but doing that sort of extension stretch, Similar like for carpal tunnel from keyboard work. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So you're going to get that stretch through the forearm, um, stretching the thumb as well, bringing it back so that you can get some of that stretch through there because you have to do so much, (laughs) so much grip uh, when you're plaiting, especially. Yeah. Um, And I think something that a lot of people, um, they underestimate and they, you know, you'll, you'll hear about it and you'll be like, oh yeah, some people I'm sure need that. I don't. Um, is any of the ergonomic stuff. Um, I, cause I, I kind of do a combination of, of off the hook and, and on the vice. And so when I'm sitting, even I got just the obus form, you know, the, the memory foam backrest for the chair, um, or an ergonomic okay. mouse. I've got one of the, the curved mice that turns your hand to the side and it feels like it's silly to have these things. Cause, Oh, how often do you oh, use no. the mouse? How often are you sitting? Right. But it adds up. Mm-hmm. And when this is, and if you're a whip maker, your body is the most valuable tool that you have. Yeah. You know, I mean, in a lot of manufacturing, it's all oh, what equipment do you have? What tools do you have? But really as a whip maker, I mean, all my tools fit in the bag, right? It's the, the rest of it is, is me. So if I'm not looking after myself, if I'm not stretching, if I'm not doing those things, if I injure myself, I, that's, that's my livelihood on pause until I'm back. Yeah. Right. Uh, I wow. think people don't think about that. And, um, not even just the physical, like the ergonomics, but something that they brought up when I was in that that mentorship for the the program was insurance. You know what I mean? Like your hands, your hands are your tools, and you can actually now when you start looking at the pricing. I'm not at the stage where I can afford it yet, but you can get insurance so that you know if you do get injured, um, you're covered, mm-hmm. and that's huge because if you're not making stuff, you're not selling stuff. Yeah. Um, so really, looking after yourself is is so important. It's something that I'm working on. I know that there's more I can do. Um, it's a process because you have to untrain yourself from that. Oh, I'm fine. It's, it's okay. I can tough it out. Uh, we all have this sure. big bravado of I'm going to be okay. I, it's some people need that. I'm good. Um, <laughs> but get, get the stuff like support yourself. Um, it, it's the best, it's the best possible thing you can do. Mm-hmm. So, and if I can yeah. add one last thing, um, whether it's whip making or whip cracking, like what I've observed as sort of like an, uh, um, like an outsider, I guess, uh, at least, at least last year, I definitely <laughs> <anymore>. was <laughs> not anymore. But, uh, w- when I was watching these whip crackers, like Ian, that just really give her, I'm like, yeah. Oh man, in five years, your neck is just going to stop moving. <laughs> so a lot of it's like preventative. Right. And, yeah. and, and to try to convince these young, a lot of them guys, um, to 
look after themselves is like pulling teeth. But it's so important because, you know, if you tell them like, you know, in another five years, your shoulder's not going to want to move that way. You know, you got to you got to think about yeah. what, what what happens when when that day comes or you can prevent it by doing these things you know, every day for, for 15 minutes, yeah. you know, you pick, pick, pick your poison. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And this, it's hearing, hearing this, because I've heard this, this speech a few times and, and a hundred percent correct. Um, but I think one of the funniest times that you, you've done that and then you got, you got a nickname out of it, which is great. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. we were, yeah, we were actually, we were at the Great Lakes Flow Festival in Michigan, uh, Michigan. Um, Justin and I went, Adam came for a day, Nick came with us. Uh, it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was really cool to have whips in a different context. Um, seeing them at a flow festival with all mm-hmm. these different you know props and getting the fire whips at night was really cool. Um, but Robin, anytime we go anywhere, like I said, she's the people person. She's also the organizer a lot of the times. Um, I'm kind of usually scattered, wanting to you know um, oh this idea, I'm going to chase that. Uh, Robin really likes to to keep everything grounded, which is amazing. But it was Adam of all people. Um, that ended up giving her the, the, the nickname Whip Mommy because she was really the one looking at, yeah, it's funny. We actually, she got it. Nice. I love it. <laughs> but it was because, you know, she looks after us. And I think, like she was saying, it's it's a lot of just, you know, we're all young at heart. Like if you're playing with whips, you're young at heart. You know I mean? You're, yeah. you're a big child having a great time. So like it, what's what's more fun, right? So it, it's hard to sometimes think about that looking after yourself portion of it until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, it's it's really funny, but really you have, uh, for a lot of people now, not just me, you know, Justin, all these other people that that we hang out with, um, I think you've had a huge influence on just that self-care yeah. side of it, just introducing that. So Yeah, I've uh, my friends have always joked, especially my friends in college have always joked that I'm, I was the, the mom of the group. The mother hen. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I would just, I'd see people just like, you know, it's an injury waiting to happen or... You know, no shit. You have a head. So sorry. <laughs> no, no, no duh. You have a headache. You haven't had any water in this many hours. You know, things like right, that that right. I that I just observe, right? And so that's a hydrate. I think I've seen this in multiple whip conversations now. Of when you start that overlay, and you lock yourself in for that six hours of plating that you're about to do because you don't want to put it down. Yeah. Have a glass of water. Put on one of those. That's so big. Helmets with <laughs> straws. <laughs> A camel pack. Just yeah. Like. Oh, that's a great idea. Actually, I love that. So I saw at your on your table you had your uh, maintenance kit. So you should have yes. a supplies for the whip maker maintenance. And it's, yeah. It's the hat absolutely. with the bottle. The hat. Um, the O'Keefe's working hands. Because <laughs> exactly. anybody who's plaid of nylon knows how oh. how dry your hands get. Yes. Um, and that's that's actually another one. Like even even just getting into the habit at the end of the day of um, got a pumice stone, so just grinding down where the calluses are and and putting, you know, O'Keefe's or, or glycomed something on your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy to cut up your fingers, especially if, if for anybody starting two seventy five work. Um, oh, that yeah. cord is so thin and it's so abrasive that by the time you start pulling with any tension, um, it's funny. A lot of whip makers will joke about that one ridge of callus along the back yeah. of the pinkies and on the top finger, right? Yeah. Um, you'll see people with those cuts and scars. Um, it's it's something that I had for a while, and I would have to, you know, put the Band-Aids on and then plaid over the Band-Aids, and, oh, God, this hurts, but I want to finish. I'm, I'm a foot away from the end of the whip, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so just those self-care, you know, getting into the rhythm of that every day. Because now my hands don't get to the point where they crack anymore. It, it protects, and now you build up the calluses, and you're good. 
Mm-hmm. See, so. the trick is to mix in leatherworking with the nylon so that you <laughs> coat it in landline to your elbows. Yeah. And then. <laughs> You have just one leather, so one stuff. nylon. One leather, one right. nylon. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Because the 275 is also slippery. So oh, yeah. you have to grip a little harder. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Spectra. Any of the, the ultra high molecular weight materials, mm-hmm. those are slippery. Those are weird to plat with so 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 i want to see some of your whips i mean you, you're yeah, talking yeah. about these we, we need to see it like one of your justin whips and if you have any others that that you own that are that are awesome i have several here that's always yeah, one of the good. exciting things uh, why, don't you, why don't you tell it kind of like a story show the first oh god uh, oh yes, yes let's see that so i still and, and i it's funny it's one of those you know robin said uh i'll we'll paraphrase see. but you know do do what i say not as i do right mm-hmm. um the one piece of advice I always give people is just finish. You know what I mean? Like, even if you're not happy with it, just finish. You'll learn so much from it. And here I am with my the still not finished, uh, oh very God. first hybrid. There's no heel knot on it. Wow, look at um, this. And looking back on it now, it's crazy. Because it, it's come such a long way. And it's been so it's much just... Wax. No, it's not. No, it's, it's not waxed. I mean, um, one of the things good, that I actually though. really enjoy doing is the hitching. And this... You know, I look back on it now, and uh, everything's so much better now. It's <laughs> yeah. That um, you know, the taper twist. Uh, it was actually John Canton who showed. He he was very nice. He sent a video over um, of a method that he uses just for putting the strands inside mm-hmm. to make it cleaner, running them through. And I think that's something that I really love about the community is that everybody, or at least most people, are very willing to share these little you know tips and tricks. And without that. I don't think my work would be nearly where it is now. Um, you know, there's some things that I've come up with and I've shared them around, but a lot of the the pieces that I really love about my whips are inspired from other people's innovation. And then you talk and you share and you pick that up and then, oh, what if I do it, you know, this way this time? And and we grow as a community. And I, I really love that. I really love seeing people share information and grow for the sake of growing the, the whole craft as opposed to just, oh, here's all my secrets of, of how I do stuff. Right, uh, right. But it's funny, even looking at this now, um, one of the things that bothered me, I started with hybrids. Um, I pretty much just made hybrids for the first few months. I really, really love the design. Um, the paint. Uh, this one bugged me a lot. I remember, I think it was Dakota uh, Winrich. She had a video on her YouTube talking about touching up the paint because painting plastic is notoriously difficult. And, you know, everybody kind of came to accept that the paint's going to wear off, right? Here's ways to touch it up. Uh, and that, you know, that didn't fly with me. So I ended up, you know, spending a lot of time thinking and thinking about it, uh, coming up with all sorts of different ideas. And then we were driving one day. And I remember we were talking about, you know, cars that have all these plastic parts now and, and this, that and the other. And I was like, hold on a second. Cars are beautifully painted all the time. So many colors. And it's plastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so the paint I use now, I, I go to a local auto shop and I give them the code from the, the car manufacturer of the color I like. And it's it's auto paint because it's designed to go on plastic and then it's sealed with a, a clear, like a hardener, a clear coat, which, um, a 2k. So it's indestructible. So it's in, well, <laughs> Justin, Justin's got a video of it somewhere. He did a, he did a test for me where he think, uh, he threw a pair of handles off his roof. Uh, he drove them over with his car. He gave them to his dogs. Um, oh and the one thing I will say is no matter how good the paint is, it's still plastic. And if it chips, that paint stays on that chip super nice, but it is no longer on your handle. That's, okay. uh, that's, so. what, that's what the interesting part was. Is yeah. it, it survived everything he threw at it except for getting run over by the car. That, and that was even the end then, of it. it. It was because the plastic Chipped. cracked a little bit. Right, not right. Because the paint 
came off by itself. Yeah. Actually, oh, in the end, I should great. find that video because I think we were gonna post it, and then I don't know why we didn't. But um, he took a pair of scissor blades to the to the paint, and it just there's nice. no scratch, no right. So there's that's that's the original. That's the very first. Okay. Um, the second one I think was that I'm black. Go back full screen. Red. Let's see. Yeah. Stock with. Oh, did. possibly. Yeah. That's well. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> oh yes, this was when he got really excited to try two seventy five. Oh for yes. His second one ever. Second one ever. I wanted to try a different, different style of whip, different chord. Um, I hated the deep in there. Wow. So. Oh wow. A, that's beautiful. Yeah. So that was the you know first attempt at a, a two seventy five chord stock whip. He tried a lot of um, new things here. Yeah, there's. You tried the 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 two tone. The two tone heel knot was really cool. Yeah, yeah. The a different you know a different start. Uh, two seventy five at all. A square start on your second whip is extremely impressive. <laughs> Thank you. D- double direction hitching there. I see. That's yeah. I was trying beautiful. to get that X in the hitching, and it yeah. looks really nice with two seventy five. Uh, I found out that it does not look nearly as nice in five fifty. Uh, yeah, so that was fun. Gaps, yeah. um, but. This this was a really fun project, and I tried you know a little bit of design work uh, wow. in the thong just to have something a little a little different. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's how my brain's always been. You know, I, I made one, didn't quite finish it, and went, "What's what's the next easiest thing I can do?" Um, and, and you didn't and, do that. You did something yeah, super hard. I didn't even close to it. <laughs> uh, so that was number two. And I actually uh, I have a running log of every whip I've ever made. I have a registry that I keep. Um, so I think it's really cool to see. Wow. Uh, so the okay. number of the whip and the number that it is within its category. So, you know, whip 100 and whatever, and it's bull whip 56. Um, I think it's really cool. And then I don't think I have it to show here, unfortunately. Uh, I have, a again, that analytical brain kicked in. Um, and I remember it was Justin introduced me to, uh, to Desmond, so another Canadian whip maker in Alberta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I asked him, I think, the question that a lot of people have asked, which is, how do I know when to drop strands? Yeah, when when right. do I know when to drop? And the answer I got was uh, by feel. When, when it feels ready. like it's the right time to drop, <laughs> you drop. If it feels a little bunchy, then drop. And if it feels a little loose, then you should have dropped sooner. And the analytical voice in my head went, "What on earth do I do with that?" Um, I just I couldn't wrap my head around the feel of it, and so I designed. Um, it's in Google Sheets right now, so it's a little clunky. I'm trying to make a version that you know, like Faceplat, something that people can just use without it. Uh, requiring, you know, being inside my head to understand how it works. Um, but I have a, a builder that I put together. So I can actually I have a canvas where I can design and lay out each strand of the whip. I can put if it's plaited or if it's a gutted strand. Um, and it graphs everything for me. That's, so I can actually see the curve of the whip. So and cool. it makes it's it's a lot of fun. It makes fine tuning really neat because you can really just go down and see exactly where things are. But I keep a tab of that for every whip since I built it. So it's kind of like that running wow. notes. I can actually go back and look at previous designs and go, okay, when I was single dropping, how did it feel? What does it look like? When I do double drops, how does it feel? What does it look like? And for you know anybody who's made whips, you know there's these multiple layers. There's your core, if you have bellies. And I think what's really hard until you lay it out is seeing how all that interacts with each other. Yeah. Right? Because right. you can, oh, the right place to drop in the overlay, but that's also where I dropped in the belly, and that's also where I cut out strands in the core. Mm-hmm. Right. And you don't always see that when you're, you know, two, three layers up. So being able to put it all out and go, oh, if I just shift this a couple inches, I'm not dropping at the same time as, you know, where I lost this material. So, you know, that's that was a really cool, uh, really cool development. And again, I'm hoping to make 
a more public facing version of that. I'd, I'd love love for you to do that. You showed me briefly a little bit of that at WhipCon, and it's extremely yeah. impressive. How many whips have you made so far? Uh, I the one that I finished yesterday, I believe, was 186. Wow. Um. So yeah, that was a that's that was impressive. an eight foot bullwhip. I think it was. I think that's where I pulled the number 56 from earlier. I think it's the 56th bullwhip. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. So 100, that's, 180 something there. That's impressive. It was it was fun, and it's it's cool to see which numbers have ended up where. Um, I think Justin has whips six and seven. It was the first pair that I made, um, and that was just so that he could he could trade and try stuff. And uh, which, so those, those are which ones? The blue and green, the neon blue and green. So this this is actually the hybrid that I won third with at last year's WhipCon. Oh, I got Oh wow, that's nice. Uh, so design work in the thong again. Um, the hitching has come a long way. That's uh, it was really I see cool some to... interesting transition uh, strength there as well for a hybrid that's much stiffer than I normally yeah. see. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people treat hybrids very much like um, like a stock whip, but without the the hinge. Yeah, uh, which you know is a very valid way of doing it. Um, obviously with Justin as the kind of go-to person that I had to, to learn from and to get feedback from, Justin does a lot of those contact moves, a lot of rolls, a lot of tosses. And what he found is that when you have that stiffer transition, just right up in here, when you roll the whip around, it allows it to actually spring and come back to your hand instead of just kind of collapsing. Uh, you can still yeah, do yeah. rolls at the stock whips, but this was to really like fine tune and hone in on really his approach because that's right. most of what I had to go off of. Um, since then I, I have adapted, like I said, the goal is not to have just one design. It's to, to be able to, to tailor to different needs. So when I made the pair of hybrids for Adam, um, actually the one set that we did as a collaborations back there with the triaxle weave, um, that was made without a belly, without any binding and a loose strand core, because I know that's what his preference is. So still a hybrid, still okay. the same and feel, but you know, different. And you can see kind of in the background where they just come right off the handle without that right that's great um so this was really fun and so is this have binding or is it just all through a lot of tension yep. and a so belly? it is so it actually has a plaited belly uh so the plaited belly goes for the first 11 inches and then that's bound with kind of a, a tapered rigidity so there's a 15 inch binding that kind of goes past the end of the belly to just smooth out where it transitions there's another six inches and then there's a three inch so there's actually the most binding to just give it the spring right off the bat right the next six inches kind of helps it form that loop and then the last few inches is just to taper that off so that it's not a sudden, all right, mm -hmm. we're bound and belly, and now we have nothing. Um, right. But then right from there, the plaiting loosens off quite a bit so that it feels more like a stock whip in how it ends. So the, wow, the tension cool. is really, really tight at the top and then really quickly tapers off so that from a, from a you know, this, this is the stuff I love is the physics of all this. It's the formation of the loop. So that binding you can see goes to where the weight wants to spring outwards as soon as you form that loop you're just carrying the tension down now right so now right. It's just you know how do i move more fluidly from there so it's it, a lot of that different oops i have the handle right <laughs> in your face it's like a microphone yeah and then um what i really loved about this one so i know i know something that a lot of whip makers hate doing is knots um it's kind of the i've, I've heard it's the bane of a lot of people i fell in love with them right from day one i actually found them really fascinating uh, this whole handle is is just one big knot. So whoa, 
Yeah, it's a it's a four byte. I'm trying to remember from when I made it. It's a four byte, forty one part base Dude, knot. Glands. Okay. And then it's all it. So there's there's no you know you can see where the knot and the handle are all one piece. Wow. And then how fun! It closes up at the end. Yeah. And so you added in the strands around the the hand the the knob there in order to give you yeah. some extra. So it's one it's one one navy strand, one gold strand, and then because of the the in the swell where the heel nut is, there's a third red strand that just fills in those gaps. Oh, that is really beautiful. So that, yeah, yeah, that was that was well a done. really fun. Well done. Yeah. Um, it took a couple attempts and a lot of swearing uh, to get you know to go from the original concept and then to actually get it out. If I, if I had a if I had a dollar for every time he went, oh, this isn't working. I messed it up. Oh my god, maybe I should shouldn't do this. And he says that like three times until he finally gets it right. And he's just like, oh, so glad I. I'm so glad I stuck so with it. Stuck with <laughs> and that's that's that. There, there's no. Uh, it's frustrating. Like I think when we talked earlier about oh, you know, fail, try harder, fail again. Um, it sounds so easy. But it is hard. And I think that's something to, to always acknowledge that when you're feeling that, you know, that defeated feeling of like, oh, God, maybe I should just give up on this. That's normal to feel mm-hmm. um, like it, it'll always mm-hmm. be there. It's just having a little bit of faith in yourself that, no, you know what? I can get this and to be willing to stand back up. And, so. I, and I think uh, it's really motivating because ter- it's it's hard to motivate yourself, especially yeah. when you have ADHD. Um, and I think it's, but I think it's really, uh, helpful in terms of motivating yourself. If you, instead of thinking of how easy it would be to just give up and be like, oh, screw it. Um, or flip it in your mind and think how proud of yourself you would be if you stuck with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When you get it, it's a good feeling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this, um, last hybrids that I'll show, but like, this is my personal practice set now. Ah, beautiful. Okay. This is fun. And then, yeah, you know, some different knots, some, some chain link work. Four leaf uh, over sort of in the middle there, yeah. Yep. And then, because uh, everybody really loved when I posted that picture. Yeah. Like, uh, oh, that's great. The metal great. ponchos there. There you go. Yeah, I love it. This. Yeah. It's yeah. almost so like was, an X there. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, trying to, you know, incorporate some of those stylistic elements into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's actually, it's hard to see, but in terms of the, the paint, that one is like a metallic blue. Oh yeah, car paint gives you so much option because yeah. they have all the different you know mm-hmm. flecks and pearls and um, what are they shimmers and it, it's almost so much choice that you don't know what to do. Like you go into the shop and they're like, all right, well what what color do you want? And you're like, that's that's a fantastic question that I should have thought of before I came in here. <laughs> hey, have uh, you looked at dye sublimation paint? I've looked at it. I haven't started it yet. Um, I've heard of some of like the the dyeing plastics, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I'm I'm I've seen that. I've heard of some people trying to do um, like the epoxy coats or like resin coats on them. Yeah. Um, which obviously where it comes over the coupler is hard to get that adherence without, you know, peeling. Um, some people will just you know bypass the pipe altogether. I've seen some beautiful hybrids with the carbon fiber handles yeah, um, yeah those, some of those are really nice uh geisel whips uh oliver over in germany i know he's uh he's done them with wood and that's gorgeous i think justin has a pair of the the hybrids with the wood handles and actually I don't know if you can oh see do you it. have do you have a set there uh well it's right here actually I can yep. grab it. <laughs> yeah this one's a turned yeah like Ooh. gorgeous 
that. And this this is what I love about this craft is there's so many different things to do, mm-hmm. and you're only limited by your your imagination and your creativity. And I yeah I got a little knot in the middle. Yeah. Like yeah. But yeah, lots of options. Oh yeah. And so then so that was that was last year's competition that my practice on this is this year's competition entry. So oh, that's yeah. the stock that that I entered. So, so let me let me go f- full screen for you again and I want you to yeah, show yeah. that open weave middle that, that, oh, the, that the is so cool. Roll. Yeah. So there's um so that's actually two base knots and then the the white is all one knot woven in between them. So I really want to just give that open lattice uh, feel. And this is only because um, I've always really liked the look of ferrules mm-hmm. whenever they do the ferrules on the, on the whip handles. Right. Um, and I've just been having a really hard time finding them lately. And so in my mind, I went, you know, if I'm having a hard time finding them, I love that look. What can I do that looks like that? And something that, you know, I've really been pushing myself on is learning all these different knots and different techniques. And I thought, you know, how cool would it be if I could make a ferrule that was a knot? Um, and so we do this on the on the JB signature as well, um, which is I think it looks fantastic. Did it here? Uh, the heel knot actually comes from Johnny Ogren's book, so that was again. Uh, yeah, kind yeah, of, I see that. Trying to keep the thematic, you know, the open the open weave kind of looks, and then that repeats down in the in the thong as well. Oh yeah, I love that consistency. Um, yeah, I don't I don't see this on your Instagram, so people that are doing listening to audio only. You need to need to post oh, this up there so they can see it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have I, I not think, posted this I yet? Think, uh, I think. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to now. Yet. Yeah. I know we were trying to be cautious not to post it too beforehand. Soon. Right and now, obviously, I've forgotten after the fact. <laughs> um, but what's really cool here, and again, it's oh, we're, we're the cameras are first on us. There we are. Um, and again, it's kind of that like you're just limited by your your creativity. Um, this is a, a not interweave. And so because I spent so much time learning the knots and playing with them, uh, I saw this originally, this concept on a pair of stock whips that Torrance Fisher made. In the thong. In the thong, yeah. yeah. And I thought it was so cool, and I wanted to replicate something like that. So the plaiting, you know, it's regular whipmaker's plait um, herringbone. And then when you get to this section here over the swing belly, and I wanted to put it right on the swell so that it gave it that little bit of, you know, extra weight and that appearance, um, I switched over to uh, double diamonds. So just plaiting two strands at a time, just doing diamonds. And when you do that, you're left with kind of the same shape that you get when you tie a base knot. You're left with just those crossing over and the holes in between. Right. Uh, So the white cord is just interwoven the exact same way that you would interweave a knot. Or it's the same way as, you know, when you look at the interweave on the knot handle here. Right. That same kind of patterning effect in there. Um, It's just stunning. yeah, part of it was wanting to do the knots, and part of it was, again, advice that I got from Adam uh, last year, because one of the things that he didn't like about the whip that I made is that it was too busy. So his feedback was, you know, there's a lot going on in it. Um, your design elements don't stand out because there's so many of them. Mm-hmm. So one of the goals with this whip was to really uh, tone down on how much there was, but highlight what's there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, deciding not to add any design work in the top, you know, deciding to keep the thong primarily blue, as soon as you switch into design work, you end up with that quartered effect. So wherever you're not having the design, you get, you know, the quarter blue, quarter white, quarter blue. Yeah. Um, and I thought that would just take away from the elegance of having it be primarily blue with that white mm-hmm. accent work. Mm-hmm. And so this was kind of that happy medium. I still have design in the thong, but it's not, you know, sacrificing the rest of my thong to being, you know, white, blue, white, blue, 
all yeah. the way down. Yeah, last so. year we we learned the importance of balancing um, design elements with negative space. Yeah, and that that was a huge that was a huge um, creativity moment for me to be like, oh, that that makes a lot of sense. You know, what I mean, Adam's fantastic for for challenging you to go look at different things. Um, some of the conversations we've been having recently are, you know, go study different whips, go study different makers and pick out the pieces that you like. And that's going to help you develop your style because you'll take, oh, I really like how they do this. I really like how they break up this. Absolutely. You can learn from it. So something I'm doing now that, you know, I didn't do in the past is study other makers work more. Do you own many other makers work that you do study? Do you own many other makers work? I try to. Um, so I've been very fortunate to, to do some trades. Like you said, whip makers, you know, we're not doing it for the money. So we, we try and figure <laughs> out where we can. Um, but I've got a pair of Peter Thorndike stock whips um, oh. that I've studied. And that's, uh, you know, Peter Thorndike, Chris Barr. Those are definitely, you know, some of my idols when it comes to the type of design work that I really want to do. Um, one of the reasons I did 275 is to be able to do finer design work. Um, so I'm really excited with, with the leather stuff starting to be able to work with finer strands and to be able to do, you know, uh, kind of like jumping to 275 on, on my second whip. Uh, the little voice in my head is going, 72 plat seems pretty cool. Um, so <laughs> I'm trying to, yeah. trying to stop myself from jumping straight to that. Um, but that's something that, you know, leather is very exciting is that you get to try different stuff. And um, right. I'll grab them just because it, it, it's pretty cool. I, I do like it a lot. So this pair um, was originally made for, for Adam. And then he added the knots. And he decided to, to get an all-white pair instead. You just take that out of the hook. That's okay. That, that triaxle weave Oh, that's there. gorgeous. And I saw that originally in, in Chris Barr's work. And the thing that caught me was that I couldn't figure out how he did it. Oh, and that's yeah. what made me want to do it. <laughs> uh, so as soon as soon as I saw it, and I couldn't wrap my head around, how did you plat three colors like that? How did you how did you achieve this? Um, and then we started to to rabbit hole, and then spoke to Chris, and you know got some really good advice. Um, but his his advice is never, oh, here's exactly how it's done. It's, oh, have you tried this yet? And I'd right. go and I'd try it. And I'd send him a picture, and he's like, ah, close, but have you thought about that? And, you know, that back and forth process, mm-hmm. the moment, you know, figuring this out was one of the coolest moments of, oh, man, I get it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what you're saying. You wow. stick through that multiple failures and the pride at the end is is mm-hmm. worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that was a really cool pair at the track. So, so Chris Barr, Peter Thorndike, uh, Blake Gorey. I actually got really lucky. Oh, yeah. I got a Blake Gorey uh, bullwhip, which, wow. you know, again, being able to analyze that snakehead. Um so cool, so unique. Yeah. Uh, and even if it's not something that I think right it's up there. yeah, I think it's it's behind us as well. Um, even if you don't use it yourself, looking at how they did it, it just it gets your brain churning on the art of the possible, right? Um, which is really cool. So you know, I've been very fortunate. I've got a pair of Whipple Ace whips from uh, from Simon Martin now. So you know, being able to study the different materials. Um, some whips from Nick, uh, from Nick Schrader, Richard Cottrell, uh, Alyssum, Cat Fimple. So there's, you know, a lot of work to reference, uh, Torrance Fisher. Um, and I just, I end up spending more and more time just looking at them and just right. trying to think, and not just at the designs. I think it's also really cool to try and think about what their process 
was or why this tension mm-hmm. you know I mean, why ending the whip in a four point instead of a taper twist why any of these things because just because your style doesn't mean that you'll do that understanding True. why their style has led them to there can teach you just as much if i, if so, I may add something because yeah. you made me think of something you said earlier about how when you were designing um your earlier whips because justin was sort of your main source of feedback yeah uh, it's interesting to think about not just you, but whip makers as a whole. Um, you look at their style and think of what they were influenced by. Yeah. And and think of how that applies to what uh, what they end up producing. I just think it's really fascinating. Because yeah. if you think about uh, any any type of artist, you know, depending on what they derive the most inspiration from is going to obviously influence the direction they take it. Um, mm-hmm. So you've taken, uh, you know, inspiration from a lot of different sources that has uh, influenced what you've come up with, your, yeah. own, your own unique creation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and that's super important. I, I actually love when Adam posts some of his uh, latest creations. He usually goes through a whole line of references that this piece was yeah. taken from this guy and this piece was taken from that guy. And I mean, just like you were talking about with your one from this year, how I think that process is just absolutely fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I think it's nice for us to grow off each other. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it's only so many and books. It's a balance point. I think, I think there's always that fear of like, Oh, am I going to be copying somebody else? You know what I mean? Oh, am I going to be taking someone's idea? And I think, there's a very small handful of whip makers that think that way. But I think for the most part, everybody I've met, it's that, you know, imitation is the highest form of flattery, right? Now, obviously not, you know, replicating exactly. Um, but it's cool to see things that you've done end up somewhere else. Um, yeah, it's a yeah, very, absolutely. it's a very fulfilling feeling of, of being able to add to the craft. Cause whip making has been around uh, forever. Forever. Like yeah. how far back into history you go, it's one of the oldest, you know, implement. So being able to add something to that, that generations of, of other people before you, that's, that's a really cool feeling. And, you know, I, I hope that, you know, uh, the, the greatest feeling I can have as a whip maker is down the road, somebody using something that, that I came up with in their work and then pushing it a step further. Right. Like that, oh, that, that would, would be, be so cool. It's thing to see. Yeah, so. it's like having whip cracking tricks that you get to name because you came up with it. Yeah. Like imagine, you know, you can, you come up with a, a whip making technique that you just discovered by accident or yeah. that you get you tried one day because you just thought, why not? You know, if yeah. it works, it works. If it doesn't, oh, well. And then it ended up working better than you imagined. And you're like, oh, I have to tell everybody about yeah, this. It's, it's innovation, <laughs> right? It's, yeah. It, yeah. it really is. Like, I mean, on, on mine, bit. when I add the uh, two-point twist and then feed the tips together, um, yeah. uh, Torrance taught me how to do that. And I, in all my descriptions, I call it the Fisher hitch. And yeah. if you make make your own hitch, for instance, that would be the right way to do it, right? Yeah. The, the like right, I, the, the, the hitch. right way. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't catch that at all. No, I'm glad you did. This is why she's um, the, the social media person. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, like even the English eye I use now, um, uh, was from Ray, uh, Ray Egerton. I, I got that idea from him and I've, I've loved it. I've, I've moved a lot of my whips over to that concept just cause it gives it a few more options. It looks really clean. It's really fun and it's evolution, right? There was, you know, somebody at some point that went, what if we did the, the two strand twist? What if we didn't end in, in a four point ball hitch? What if we tried something else? Right. And so people started 
doing the twist. And then I don't know if it, if it was John who did it first or if John was just the one to make the video. But when John Canton sent that video of running the strands through each other and then doing the twist, wow, that was so much cleaner. It looked so much oh, nicer yeah. now. So, you know, pick that up. I went from just twisting four strands together to running them through and twisting the two. And then Ray went, look at this, look at this English eye that I put on the end of a two, two strand twist. And I was like, oh man. So like, there's so many different pieces that you can build up and, and the art grows as people give you these different inspirations and ideas. And, and what's really cool too yeah. is discovering that um, what can happen when you change this small piece or that small piece, not only from an aesthetic per- point of view, but also in a function yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, you have to. I think that's another benefit to owning and going to WhipCon, but owning a bunch of other whipmakers is you're able to crack yours and then go out and crack a couple of different ones. I have a, a Joe Strain, um, several, well, a bunch of different ones here, but Joe Strain is usually my, my go to for how I want it to feel. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it's going to feel different between nylon and leather, but to go go out and just crack three or four in a row and just process yeah. that as a whip maker. It's, it's really impressive. Do you yeah. feel like there's any other, like as we're wrapping up here toward the end of the, the interview, yeah. like other resources that people could go to? Do you, do you have a YouTube? Do you have plans for a YouTube or those sort of things or education? Are you going to write a book like Johnny did? Those sort of things? Um, or can you recommend some? Yeah. Uh, so on the horizon, I'll say this just because, you know, the idea the idea wheel is always going. I'd love to have a YouTube. Um, I know Nick and I have been chatting for a while about uh, him showing me just, you know, some filming techniques because his videos are are incredible. Oh, top of the line, yeah. Um, there are there are a lot of things that I want to be able to share more. Uh, and right now it's been a lot of, you know, see a, a question in Whitmaker's Hook, try and write out an answer. And I, it's funny, I guess I've, I've developed this reputation for writing paragraph-long answers. And it was Justin who first said, instead of writing out, you know, these, these 10 minute answers every time, just make a video, just show people how to do it. Um, but it's that, that imposter syndrome, that fear of the unknown. I've never made a video before. Um, so it's, it's on the horizon. It's something that I am working towards. Um, in the meantime, uh, you mentioned books and, and Johnny's book. The second one is coming out and I would probably recommend that to anyone who is looking to learn. Um, even though it is a book on leather whips, if you're a nylon whip maker, get a copy of Johnny's book. Yeah, um, but the first edition, so first one also, I, I don't know if he's going to do a oh, reprint, yeah. but I, I, when we, I'll have to have Johnny on again to give us details. I, I, believe, gets I believe the second book is replacing the first. So it'll have everything from uh, the first book plus it's a second more. edition. Second edition. Second edition. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully um, so, but uh, e- yeah. even if, if you're getting started today, don't, don't wait. I would say for oh, somebody yeah. getting started, not, the book I'm is so good. I'm not sure so if it's sold out, but, um, but yeah, if you can get a copy of Johnny's book, absolutely 100%. Um, it's amazing. Join the communities and don't be afraid to post your work is what I would say in terms of a resource. Um, those around you that have, have been there and tried it are an incredible resource. If you're not afraid to ask, um, uh, constructive feedback. Yeah. And I think most people are, it's it's not just the courage to ask for the constructive feedback. Something that I've noticed, um, and I, I definitely wish that people would do it more and I, and I try and do it is to be willing to give feedback. Um, I think a lot of people ask for feedback and what they get is, Oh, that looks really good. You're doing a really good job. Because none of us want to, you know, tell somebody that, oh, this could be better or, or this and this. Right. But that feedback is so important and it's so yeah. crucial. And it's good to compliment when you see things that are good. But you help people grow by showing them what could be improved. 
Uh, and you don't have to be mean about it. I mean, I think there's very constructive ways to do it. But I think, you know, for those who've been there before, don't be afraid to share your thoughts. And for those that are are starting that journey, ask, 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 ask. Yeah, Take absolutely. the time to think it through, like we said earlier. But don't be afraid to post your work and be told that, hey, this could be better. That's how you grow. So Absolutely. I love that. And I, I can't think of a better way to in this interview as well. Absolutely. Like that is, that is absolutely to the point is ask for help. And this is a community. And honestly, that's yeah. why I'm doing this podcast too, is to help yeah. us get together and, and be, be actual friends <laughs> and get it's, to know you. Like, some of the best friends that I have right now are, are from the whip community. And there's people that I only see, you know, once a year at WhipCon. but there's always the opportunity. You, we can hop on calls. I mean, like yeah. you said, I, I honestly forgot that we were recording for, for parts of this, See? we were just having a great time chatting. So right. like, thank you so much for, for facilitating this and for, for helping bring the community together because that's my it goal. is very fractured and it is all over the world. And remembering that we're very blessed now to have the ability to talk this way from different countries yeah. Yeah. is, is incredible. Yeah. Thanks so. so much for inviting us on Christian. Yeah, absolutely. It's been my pleasure. And a quick correction to earlier. I noticed on your Instagram, there is a picture of your winning whip, but it's oh, one of those with multiple okay. pictures. So you got to <laughs> click to the right and, and see that. There so we it's, are. it's you holding yeah. your, your award. So guys, go click on that. It, it's, it's truly amazing. Um, Robin, Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I, I look forward to chatting with you in the future many more times, hopefully. And Absolutely. give me some constructive feedback on my whips. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I certainly need a lot of help as well. But uh, and, only yeah. if you promise to give me some on mine. Uh, you, you got it, man. All right. There we are. All right. <laughs> Christian, and thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. I'm going to start my, my music here. Absolutely. And hopefully everyone can get, yeah, be better <laughs> at whip cracking. <laughs> All right. I'd just like to thank Chris and Robin once again for being on the show. And for doing their part and bringing this community together. Thank you for coming out to WhipCon, for being on the podcast, and for doing so much to make such amazing, uh, just you're being such amazing craftsmen in general. Thank you so much. Um, and thank you all for listening to the podcast as well and, and watching the podcast. Uh, if you would like to help out some little bit to keep the podcast on the air, I could use your help. If you go to whipchatpodcast.com, that's whipchatpodcast.com slash donate. And I have a button and I could, uh, anything you can do could, could be a big help. So I would appreciate it. Um, and I will keep doing this because it is, it's pat my passion to help bring the community together, but I could use your help as well. Whipchatpodcast.com slash donate. Thank you very much.